All right, so what stood out to you? I see you guys get in your comments, in heaven's peace, rejoice in Emmanuel, one heart and mind. Just to let you know, the one we did last week besides uh, love, last week was hope. That was the first Sunday of Advent. So here we are, our second song, week two of Hark. And we are going through these different songs, songs that are incredibly familiar to us, songs we have probably sung hundreds of times. And we're unpacking the biblical truths of these songs as we await and we expect the coming of the newborn king on Christmas. And this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, shockingly different, but just as beautiful as last week's song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Some quick background on this song. It was an anonymous Latin hymn from the 9th century. 800-something is when this song was first written. It was then uh, translated in 1861 for us, and uh, that by John Mason Neal is the translator of that. And there's a few different versions out there, but ultimately uh, it comes down to about four verses that are common, which are the four that we just sang. Now within this song, uh, there's about 19 Bible verses that are cited. And so this is firmly grounded in biblical truth. But the primary verse that we will focus on this morning comes from Isaiah. Allison read it just moments earlier. And it's again quoted in Matthew 1, 23. And the verse goes like this. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, Matthew is rightly quoting from Isaiah 7 here as he's talking about the birth of Christ. As Mary is that long-promised virgin mother of Jesus Christ. And this passage, it's just, it's just ripe with sacred and beautiful contradictions. The virgin will conceive is not a sentence that we would ever have believed until it happened. It's amazing and they will call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. God, who first resided in the heavenly realms, and then in the garden, and then the tabernacle, and then the temple. God, who they had believed to be silent for 400 years. God, who at this point in time, to them, must have felt so distant. He is coming. He will be the God with us. And if that truth and tension is what reveals to us how, how, how beautiful this, this almost haunting Christmas song is, this song of worship, we're mostly going to focus here on the overall theme of the song on this morning, but I'm going to be dropping a few videos, kind of parsing out the different uh, fun words and interesting things about each verse uh, this coming week. If you want to find those, if you miss them during the week, you can find all our videos at facebook.com slash hopekazoo slash videos. You get that? If not, you can rewind me. That's a thing you can do. So the theme of the song, it's a prayer for the first and also the second coming of Christ. 
it first transports us back to the mind of old Israel, where, where uh, Israel is referred to as God's people. That's a, a phrase we use because it came out of the line of Israel. And so we are longing for that first coming of the Messiah, of God's people's longing to be saved and rescued. But it also voices the yearning of the continued global church for Jesus Christ the Redeemer to come again and make all things right. So what's the vibe of this song? Some of you kind of mentioned it in your comments above. It's this aching, this longing, this yearning, just so different from the joy-filled refrain and, and jubilant song of Hearts the Herald Angels sing, uh, we sang last week. And while Christmas itself evokes feelings of radiant joy, and merriment, <laughs> the season of Advent that leads up to Christmas, it is ripe with tension. And this song, perhaps better than most, so perfectly encapsulates that tension that we live in. We're reminded of the sense of longing in the Christmas story when we think of Zechariah, when we think of Elizabeth and Simeon and Mary and Joseph and others as they ponder and they prepare to receive the promises of God at the coming of Jesus Christ. But we also know that when the newborn king arrives, the waiting isn't over. In fact, he's born as the Messiah in his 30-some years until he begins his ministry. So they wait. Jesus Christ comes. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. But we know redemption has only begun. The Messiah's arrival simply begins his work. It doesn't fulfill it. As John Piper puts it in this quote, he says, when Emmanuel arrives, when the day spring rises, we learn that redemption has only begun. The final blood is shed, the debt is paid, forgiveness is purchased. God's wrath is removed, adoption is secured, the down payment is in the bank. The first fruits of harvest are in the barn, the future is sure, the joy is great, but the end is not yet. Death still snatches away. Disease still makes us miserable. Calamity still strikes. Satan still prowls. Flesh still wars against the spirit. Sin still indwells. And we still groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. The redemption of our bodies. This says in Romans 8, 23. We still wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, as it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 7. And we still wait for final deliverance from the wrath to come, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. We still wait for the hope of righteousness, as it says in Galatians 5, 5. The longing continues. This song, perfectly captures that essence of Christian longing, doesn't it? 
And this year, perhaps, more than most, we have become intimate friends, perhaps enemies, (laughs) with the feeling of longing and waiting. Let me know, are you a friend of waiting and longing, or are you an enemy? What one are you? Are you a frenemy of longing and waiting? That's a word now. I think they put it in the dictionary. The longing, the waiting, the anticipation continues. And we know this if we've lived for more than a few years, that there are seasons of our lives when it feels like nothing is happening. When the silence of longing is deafening and all we want is relief and progress and signs of the waiting to be over. So, we generally cast seasons of longing and waiting in a negative light. We don't like it. We don't want to wait. We're impatient. We just want results. We just want to move on. We just want progress. Because it seems like nothing is happening in the waiting, that there's no direction, no clarity, no movement, nothing. Where is God? Why the cosmic silence? Why must we wait for everything to be made right? Because right now, it is all falling apart around us. And it is tempting to believe that because it looks like nothing is happening, that nothing is happening. I'd like you, I want to invite you to close your eyes. Wherever you are at home, if you're in the car, don't close your eyes. But wherever you are in a safe place, close your eyes. As you close them, I want you to consider a quiet, still winter night. For this to work, I need you to imagine that it is snow on the ground. It's the middle of the night. Everyone is asleep. You walk outside your house. There's no cars to be seen. There's no noise. You can't hear a sound. You stand in the still silence of the middle of a winter night and you calm your thoughts and you focus and you're trying to hear something. But there's nothing. Nothing is happening. The deafening silence evokes in you all the feelings of longing and waiting. You wait for the smallest sound to break the silence. And that silence at first is peaceful, but it's still, and yet you wait. You long for something to happen. And as you wait, you start to realize you can faintly hear something. First notice the own beat of your heart. And then your own breath coming and going. And you realize if you had stronger ears, you could hear the bugs of the earth squirming and the sleeping animals and neighbors' hearts and breath joining together in a peaceful symphony of life. 
and you consider that the earth you are standing on is spinning at about 1,000 miles an hour as it orbits the sun at 67,000 miles per hour in a galaxy that spins 515,000 miles per hour. And you realize in the still, quiet nothingness of the night that the silence is never empty. That waiting is not absence of activity. There is so much more going on than we can ever even fathom. You can open your eyes if you haven't. Just as we talked about last week when we got a glimpse of the curtain being pulled away and we see the heavenly realms of the angels singing, there's so much more going on than we can ever fathom. And that God is right here, right now, holding all things together. That universe that is moving is at his design, and he is sustaining it all at once. And he, while doing that, is caring for you and working things out for the good of those who love and trust him. Just because we wait doesn't mean God's not at work. The song reminds us that in our longing, in our waiting, in our lives, wherever we find ourselves desiring action and results and change, desiring something new, desiring relief and a break from all of this, we can still rejoice. For while we wait, God is on the move. While we wait, we don't wait alone. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. If you want to paraphrase verse 1, you could say, Come, God, be with us. Rid us of our loneliness and meet us in our mourning. And then you get to the refrain, And still we rejoice. For the God who is with us will remain with us until he comes again and fulfills his redemptive work once and for all. This is my encouragement for us this morning. Make space for God. To continue to invite God into your waiting. To invite him into your presence. And open yourself up to the Spirit's work here and now. So we enter into the quiet, the still spaces of the season. And you hear his gentle whisper. Because the waiting is pregnant with opportunity. If you think of a soup, a soup is best after a long and slow simmer. There is opportunity for good work to be done right here and right now as we wait. And if you think God isn't in your silence, I humbly suggest that if God was willing to leave heaven for you, he is willing to enter into whatever is happening in your life right here and right now. Before his feet left the ground to be nailed up on that cross, he first left the heavenly realms to come down to earth for you. 
Emmanuel, God with us. And we know that God came and God never left, for he sent his spirit that is here right now, living within all who call him Lord. And if we think he is silent, then we rest in the pregnant pause with joy, filled expectation. For when God reveals himself, it is always glorious. Every time. So we can say, come, God, who is with us, and we will rejoice. For God who came as a baby on Christmas is the same God who went to the grave and came back from the dead. And it's the same God who came to live within each believer, and it's the same God who will come again. Because our God always draws near. And so we wait, and we rejoice, and we long and we rejoice, and we cry out, and we take comfort knowing our cry is always heard because God is always near. The one who left heaven, left heaven to be with you. The one who always draws near. May we not waste our waiting, but worship in the waiting. As we rejoice and proclaim, oh come, come God, be with us here and now. Praise be to God for he always draws near. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, when we consider the season of Advent, when we consider the season of waiting, the longing, the hope-filled expectation. We acknowledge, Lord, that we are impatient people. So, Lord, we pray that as we wait, we may wait upon you. That as we wait, we won't waste this time or the season you have placed us in. But we will worship in the waiting and draw closer to you as we anticipate you revealing your glory. As we look forward to that Christmas day when we celebrate the coming of the newborn king, we look ahead and long and wait for you to come again and fulfill and finalize your redemptive work. And in the meantime, Lord, in the waiting, you have given each and every one of us something to do, a part to play. So may your spirit guide us and direct us today, Lord, as we seek to wait on you, to follow after you, and find the beauty in the waiting. Because we know that right now, even now, this very moment, you are at work. So we give you thanks. It is in the power and the authority of Jesus' name that we pray, saying amen. Amen. We sing this. Wait. I'm going to give you a blessing before we sing that song. Week ahead, every week, in fact, that we embark upon is guaranteed to have joys and guaranteed to have troubles. My prayer for all of us is that we seek God in both. 
So as you go, may you go with this blessing of God. May the love of God the Father, the peace of Jesus Christ the Son, and the fellowship and power and presence of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever.